Did you bring your Bible? That's the thing. I mean, it's in the name, right? You probably ought to, yeah, bring a Bible to Bible study. That, that would help, help you. I want to tell you tonight that uh, the Word of God is both inspirational and it's educational. How many found that to be true? It can inspire us to run through a troop and leap over a wall, and yet it's also our schoolmaster, right? Teaching us and instructing us in righteousness. And while, while the Bible certainly does both of those things, we as apostolic Pentecostals, we tend to lean a lot toward the inspiration side of that. And tonight, if it's all right with you, I want to lean a little bit more toward the educational and instructional side of the word. Are we okay there? All right. And so if you've, uh, you know, if you've got a coloring book or a notepad or whatever uh, you take notes on, you can do that tonight. I want to take a look at a subject matter that most of us have probably had some teaching on, no doubt. Here at Tree of Life, we, you've had some teaching on this, and maybe, maybe you haven't, but it's an important aspect of our experience as believers who are born again of the Spirit. And so tonight, let's talk about tongues. You okay with that? Let's talk about tongues. Tongues, or as the Bible refers to it, speaking in tongues, is a vital part of the new birth experience. It is. And yet, it can be a little bit of a mystery in a lot of ways. There are, in fact, major Christian denominations that have altogether rejected it and said that it's not for today's church. Some have accepted it, but maybe accepted it skeptically. And still there are others that have embraced it completely. And so, what, what of this phenomenon known as tongues? What is it? Where does it come from? Is it essential to salvation? What is, what, what's role uh, does it play in the modern church today? And believe it or not, these are all questions that can be answered if we know and understand what the Bible has to say. The Bible does not leave us in the dark about anything. Amen? Amen. So go with me, if you would, to the book of Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read a few very familiar verses of Scripture. I, I don't normally read a lot of Scripture, but I've got some Scripture tonight, okay? Like I said, we're leaning, in, we're leaning into the educational tonight a little bit. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, and I'm going to go ahead and read from the, uh, the King James Version. I think some of you will be all right with that. And the Bible reads like this, okay? It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Please notice with me that it does not say that they were in one mind and in one accord. Can we just get that out, out there right now? Okay, a lot of people like to misquote that scripture. Please, that's a pet peeve for me, don't do that, okay? It says, it says that they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling, verse 5, at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. 
And now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? There is uh, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea and in Cappadocia and in Pontus and Asia and and uh, uh, Phrygia, I almost said refrigerator when I was studying, but that's not, that's not it. Y'all are going to make me say these, aren't you? And, and Pamphylia in Egypt and in the, the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. Oh, we're not done. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Can you say amen? amen. Oftentimes, in, especially in our Pentecostal ranks, when we read this passage of Scripture, we're quick to read the first four verses and we either stop or we like to skip down to 13, to verse 13, verse 14, and we just like to go to preaching, right? Right? And that's, that's very common, and that's great. I love that. But the truth of the matter is that verses 5 through verses 12, those seven verses there hold some very powerful significance. And you really ought not skip over that or ignore that, especially when you're dealing with the subject of tongues. Now, the best place to start is at the beginning, so we're going to go and do that. Genesis, you don't have to turn there, but in Genesis chapter 11, we read that the whole earth was of one language and one speech. They only spoke one language, okay, the entire earth at that time. Up to that point in history, mankind only spoke in one tongue or one language. Because all men spoke the same tongue, they were especially empowered. They were especially united, if you will, and it was that unity and that empowerment that led them to start building buildings and building cities and building civilizations and ultimately an attempt at building a tower that would reach the heavens. Now, when you read in Genesis 11, you read that, you know, before God got upset about this, he was actually impressed by this, right? It, it impressed the Lord. He, he looked down and he saw that unity and he saw that togetherness and that empowerment and he said, man, I, I'm rather impressed. Nothing is going to be impossible for these people, right? They're going to be able to do about anything they put their mind to. And, and so, but, but more so than that, God looked through into their hearts and he saw what was in their heart. I just want to remind you that God doesn't just look at what you do. He looks at the motives behind what you do. And that ought to help some of us tonight because there's a lot of folks that are doing things trying to please God, but the motives behind you doing those things might be trying to please you or might be trying to please somebody else. So before you do what you do for God, make sure you're doing them for the right reasons, right? 
And God sees their motive and he sees what's behind it and he didn't like what he saw. And so God put a stop to all of this building and all of this progress and he did it by confounding the languages of the people. He did it by confounding their tongues. He mixed up the languages. It caused certain people to be unable to communicate with other people. I mean, I can just imagine, you know, one guy is working next to another guy, and five minutes ago they could communicate in a singular language, and now all of a sudden they, they, they don't know what each other's saying. And now, because they don't know what each other's saying, they can't work together. They, they, they have no idea what's going on. And so this really, really made this impossible for the people to, to do what they, need, what they wanted to do. And so mass chaos, mass confusion ensues, uh, making the completion of that city and that tower impossible, and thus we get the name, the Tower of Babel. Babel, right? But it was at this time in history and around this event at Babel that God created and dispersed many different languages, many different tongues, as it were, in the earth, instead of just the aforementioned one tongue. And so you jump ahead uh, several thousands of years, and you can imagine that after that, there are now many different tongues. Whatever God created at the Tower of Babel, you fast forward a few thousand years, there's got to be a lot more. There's, there's, there's more languages, there's more tongues, there's more dialects, there's more sub-dialects, and all of those kinds of things, and new dialects are even continuing to be discovered. Even today, English is our primary language here in America, but that is changing, right? We know that. We understand that. Why? Because we are a melting pot of cultures, right? And you go to other cultures and you find out that they don't speak one language. They've got like 12, right? Or whatever. And then they've got different dialects of all of those, of those languages, okay? And so there's, you know, three to 15 per country just in that one country alone in most, in most other places. Now, the Feast of Passover had brought many Jews home to Jerusalem from all over the known world at that time. Jews during that Passover feast would make a sort of aliyah or sort of a journey from wherever they lived to their home in Israel, their home in Jerusalem for the Passover. They would take that journey back to Jerusalem to celebrate in and participate in the celebration of when the death angel passed over the homes that had the blood on the doorpost in the Old Testament. But even though they all claimed, all of these people from all over the world, even though they claimed the same religious ideology as Jews, they didn't all speak the same language, right? Depending on what country you were from or what region that you lived in at the time, there would have been many different languages represented in a small geographic area of Jerusalem during the Passover. In fact, the Bible, the scripture we read, tells us in verse number five that there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, of every nation under heaven. Right? That's a lot of nations. All represented in Jerusalem at that time and at that place and many were bilingual, many of the Jews were bilingual, so that's what helped to make communication 
possible for them. And this was the setting for what we read about in the book of Acts chapter number 2. Verse 4 tells us that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. On the day of Pentecost, they began to speak with other tongues. Now that phrase, began to speak with other tongues, is actually saying that they began to speak in another language, or they began to speak in other languages. The scriptures that follow help us to understand exactly what's happening. Look at verse number six. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Now, this, this, is, a, this is a phenomenon. This has never happened in their lifetime. You'd have to go back to Babel. You'd have to go back to Genesis 11 to even get remotely close to something like this. The Holy Ghost is being poured out, has been poured out on the 120 that are in the upper room, but people start gathering around and it's not so much that they're confounded by the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, it's that they're confounded by the fact that people are speaking in other languages that before they didn't know how to speak, right? And they're shocked by this. I mean, they heard these people days ago, these people, you know, people that shouldn't know how to speak their language, shouldn't know their language, are actually speaking their language. Verse number seven, and they were all amazed and they were marveled, saying one to another, behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans? In other words, these people aren't from where I'm from. How can they speak my language, right? How can they speak my language? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And then they list the languages. We talked about it, right? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, and I'll let you pronounce all of those things, okay? Verse 12 says, and they were all amazed. And they, they were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this, or what does this mean? We're hearing all these people talking in different languages, and we understand. We're hearing them speak in our language. We understand what's going on, but they shouldn't know how to do that. How's this possible? What's going on? What, what does it mean? It didn't make any sense, but they were hearing it with their own ears. I mean, how could it be that 120 people being filled with the Holy Ghost were speaking in a tongue or in a language that they had not learned, they did not know, and yet they were speaking these languages so well that the native speakers knew exactly what they were saying? And furthermore, since Peter preached that day in a singular language, right, how did all those people gather around him even understand him, seeing as how they all didn't necessarily speak the same tongue? Well, I'll leave that to you scholars to figure out. Yeah, right? But speaking in tongues wasn't something that God just dropped on the people unannounced. Because I'm here to tell you, God never did anything unannounced. God never does anything unannounced. I want you to understand that. 
God had already sent word through his prophets that this was going to happen. Yeah. The book of Isaiah, chapter 28, the prophet Isaiah in verse 11 writes this, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Even Peter, in his message in Acts chapter 2, told the people that this phenomenon, what they were seeing and hearing, even Peter told them, this is a fulfillment of prophecy. Peter quoted Joel the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2, where it says it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And then even Jesus himself foretold of this in Mark chapter 16 and verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils and shall speak with new tongues. Right? So God had given them some insight to the things which were yet to come. This wasn't an unannounced happening. This wasn't something that God hadn't already warned them was coming and was going to happen, but they missed it. He had chosen to use the tongue, and he had chosen to use another language or other tongues, if you will, in this unique and special way. So that begs the question... Why did he do that? Why did God choose the tongue? Why did he choose another language? Well, truthfully, we don't know. We don't know. We're not God. But he is. God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants, wherever he wants to, and for whatever reason he wants to. Because he's sovereign. We do know that James tells us that the tongue is the most unruly member of the body, right? No man can tame it. So I imagine that if God were able to supernaturally control something that not even man could get control of, that would be a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, that'd be a big deal. In the scripture, there are two different types of tongues that are talked about. Two different kinds of tongues. The first is the type of tongues that we just read about in the book of Acts. It's known as other tongues. Other tongues. You will speak with other tongues. Now this type of tongues pops up in several different places when people are filled with the Holy Ghost in Scripture. Especially in the book of Acts, right? The infilling of the Holy Ghost was initialized or or was recognized with speaking in other tongues. You'll remember our text said, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues, right? We remember that. Well, you go ahead about eight chapters to Acts chapter 10. And we see this happening again, Acts chapter 10 and verse 44. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now notice that they spoke in tongues in association with being filled with the Holy Ghost. 
just like happened in Acts chapter 2. Also notice with me that when they spoke in tongues, they were magnifying God. Just like it was said of the group in Acts chapter 2 and verse 11, we do hear them speak in other tongues the wonderful works of God. We hear them speak in other tongues. What were they saying? They were talking about the wonderful works of God. Yeah. So we understand that this was the same kind of tongues. The same kind of tongues that you read about in Acts chapter 10 is the same kind of tongues that you read about in Acts chapter 2 other tongues associated with being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, you jump ahead nine more chapters to Acts chapter 19. Paul meets some, uh, some brethren of the faith. He meets some other disciples, some believers, if you will, and he asks them the question if they have received the Holy Ghost since they believed, right? Because Paul says, you know, look, believing is great, believing is good, but, you know, that's not all there is to it. Right? And we still believe that today, right? Believing is good, but that's not all. And they said, wow, we, holy, holy what now? We don't even know what you're talking about. Holy ghost, um, we, we've not even heard whether there be a holy ghost. We, we have no idea what you're talking about, Paul. And the following exchange takes place in, in Acts 19 and verse 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Jesus Christ. Verse 5, and when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hand on them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. Once again... Tongues is used in association here with receiving the Holy Ghost. And when they spoke in tongues, it says that they prophesied. Which, by the way, is a direct connection to this being the same type of tongues as was poured out in Acts chapter 2. Because it fulfills Joel 2.28 where it says, and it'll come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Notice, notice the order. I'll pour out my spirit and then the prophecy comes. I gotta tell you, prophecy always comes after the outpouring of a spirit. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost and then prophesy, right? prophesy. And remember in Acts 2, Peter even said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, right? So in the book of Acts and anywhere in the New Testament, when you read about people being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues, the type of tongues that is in operation there is other tongues. Everybody say other tongues. This is another language, if you will, commonly known as a heavenly language, other tongues. It can also be an actual language that is not known or spoken by the person. I got to tell you, I've been in services right here in America where somebody received the Holy Ghost and they begin to speak in tongues and somebody would come forward and say, you know what, they're speaking in perfect Arabic. Or they're speaking in perfect German. I didn't know they knew how to speak that language. No, they don't. 
Well, what, how, wait, how, 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 does that, how does that work? I, they're speaking in perfect Russian. How does that even happen? No, they don't, they, don't, they don't speak. And the person speaking in tongues didn't know that they, you know, and, and could not speak those languages. I've also, believe it or not, heard of people in foreign countries receiving the Holy Ghost, and when they did, they spoke in perfect English. Yeah. And even though they didn't know how to speak English. And it, it, and it may not be another recognizable language, understand, it may just be the divine language of heaven itself. But nonetheless, when you speak in tongues, you're speaking in another tongue. You're speaking in another language. It may not be a language that's recognizable to, to us. It may just be heaven's language, but nonetheless, it's another tongue. How's that possible? Well, it's possible in much the same way that it was possible on the day of Pentecost. When the people heard the 120 speaking in languages, they shouldn't have known how to speak. The scripture offers this explanation. In Acts 2 and verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues. Here's the kicker. Here's what you need to underline. As the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit gave them utterance. What's utterance, Brother Sizemore? It's the ability to an act of speaking or the ability to speak something that you might not otherwise have the ability to speak on your own. The Spirit gave them the ability to speak in a tongue or a language that they did not know or understand. It's not the speaker that gives the utterance. It's not the speaker that gives the ability. It's the Spirit. So other tongues is what we experience when we are filled with the Holy Ghost. We are filled with the Holy Ghost and the Spirit gives us the utterance. So we know other tongues. Other tongues is associated with being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I got to tell you, and you know this, when you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you will speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Yeah. We don't, we're not making that up. That's not, that's not for show. That's not, that's not some kind of, you know, uh, thing that we're putting on, you know, to make it look legit. No, it, that, that's a real happening. That's a real thing. You will speak with other tongues. It'll come out of you. But the scripture also talks about another type of tongues that I want to talk about too as well. And it's known as unknown tongues or the gift of tongues. Go with me in your Bible, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Is everybody doing all right, following me so far? We're good? Okay. I hope this is helping somebody, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes about the gifts of the Spirit. Verse number four, he says, now there are diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit, Right? You, you understand that a spirit can work in diverse ways. A spirit can work in a multiplicity of ways, right? That's how you get, that's how you get the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, right? Because it, it's the same spirit. It just manifests in different ways. It, it works in different ways. But it's still one spirit, right? Now, 
there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God that worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now, I'm, I'm not going to get into all the gifts of the spirit, okay? That's another study for another day, okay? But I do want to point out two things. I want to point out two gifts that apply to what we're talking about tonight. There, you, read, you, you heard us read about diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues, because we're talking about tongues, right? Now, those are not the same use of tongues as we discussed in the book of Acts. Now, it is the same spirit, right? This is the same spirit, but it's a different manifestation or a different use. Remember, in his writing, Paul's writing here to an already established church in Corinth. These are people that have already received Acts 2. They, they've already been baptized with the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues, right? They've already had that experience. He's writing to, to people that have already, have already experienced that, okay? But, but, but he is, he's speaking to them about the gifts of the Spirit that they have received and the proper way to operate in them. So this use of tongues is a gift of the Spirit which is meant to operate within the body of Christ and within the church for the edification of the individual saint as well as the body as a whole, okay? So in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul gives the church instruction on how this particular gift ought to operate within the context of believers in a spiritual gathering such as we are uh, at here right now tonight. And, in, and, and not only that, but in personal use for the believer themselves. And Paul jumps back and forth between those two uses. Now, I, I don't have time to read the whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, although I recommend that you do. Maybe that's your homework assignment for this week. Uh, go home and, oh, y'all didn't know you were going to have homework, huh? Okay, yeah, go home, and read, go home and read 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and, uh, and, and do that. But I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit a couple of highlights here. Uh, now remember, Paul, Paul's speaking of unknown tongues. Uh, he, he's speaking of unknown tongues for the two express context of how it should operate in a spiritual gathering and then how it should be used personally and individually by believers. Verse number two says of, of Corinthians 14, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, now this is not other tongues, this is an unknown tongue, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now, Paul wants the church to know that, that when a believer who's already been filled with the Holy Ghost 
and has already spoken in other tongues, when they speak in an unknown tongue, they're not speaking to people so much as they're speaking to God. And no man in their human comprehension can understand it. It's spoken in the Spirit. We okay with that? Number four, verse number four. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Speaking in unknown tongues edifies the speaker. Okay? Look at verse number five. Hang with me. Look at verse number five. Paul says, I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Now, don't be confused by this, because this can be confusing. Paul is saying the gift of prophecy is greater than the gift of tongues, with one exception, and that's when there is an interpretation and the whole church or the whole body receives edification. So here we see the introduction of one of the tongue gifts, if you will, listed, the interpretation of tongues. Look at verse 13. Wherefore let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Now, because our minds do not understand or comprehend the unknown tongue, our, our human minds cannot, because it is something that is only understood through the Spirit, we must pray that the Spirit might bring an interpretation to the body. Now, in verses 15 through 18, Paul even addresses praying, singing, and giving thanks in tongues, all of those things referring here to other tongues, the kind that we talked about in Acts chapter 2, right? So the, the kind that we talked about and they are, are a sign, and he says that they are a sign to unbelievers. Verse 26, how is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a, a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, let all things be done unto edifying. So if any man speak, I'm gonna, this is verse 27, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three and that by course and let one interpret. Paul is giving instructions here for a gathering of believers, right? Or a church, what we might know as a church service setting, if you will. And he gives us some, some, rel some regulation to govern the operation of the gift of tongues or unknown tongues. He first says in verse 26 that all things, everybody say all things, all things should be done to edify the church. Can you say amen? Amen. In verse 27, he specifically speaks to the function of unknown tongues, and he says that it shouldn't happen more than three times in a given gathering, and if it does, then it should be by course, which means by allotted turn, right? 
In other words, you don't need to have people trying to compete with one another. You don't need to have people trying to talk over the top of one another, trying to outdo one another, or, or any of that with this gift. But three is the most it should happen, and there should be only one interpretation. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that if there are three messages delivered in tongues that no one else can speak in tongues for the remainder of the gathering. That's not what it's saying. It just means that no one should speak for the edifying of the church in that regard, but rather to themselves for their own personal edification, okay? Now, I want us to be, I want us to understand this, right? We, we've seen it happen, right? Where somebody gets, the God, the Spirit comes upon them, they get a word in tongues, and, and, they, and, and some folks feel like, well, God gave me a, a word in tongues. I need to share that with everybody else, right? And sometimes, sometimes you do, okay? But just understand this, that if you, if, if you get, if, if that happens and God gives you an interpretation, there's a real good chance that that's because it was for you, right? Because it was for you, okay? Let's keep reading, verse 28. But if there be no interpreter, let him, who's him, the person that, get, that, that, that speaks in, in these the tongues, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself unto God and, and unto God. Why does Paul give us these instructions and these regulations, Right? Well, he jumps ahead a little further in verse 33 for, because God is not the author of confusion, but, 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 but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. And then he jumps ahead in verse 40 and says, let all things be done decently and in order, right? So he says, if there's no interpreter, if somebody gives a message in tongues, but no one else is interpreting it, and there is no interpretation, let the speaker keep silence and let him speak to himself and unto God. You say, well, Brother Sizemore, God, God gave me a message in tongues to share with the church, and he, then he gave me the interpretation. Well, that can happen. <laughs> that can happen. But it's, it's a lot less likely that that'll happen. Here's why. Because when God gives a message in tongues that is for the body, he'll confirm that message with a separate interpretation, a separate interpreter, a separate interpreter that can share that message with the body. If God gives you a message in tongues and then he gives you the interpretation, that's a really good indicator that that message was for you, okay? I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm not saying that, that God doesn't give somebody a, a, a message in tongues and then they, you know, then they also get the interpretation and they feel led to share that uh, with, with the congregation. But I've seen it happen many times. Somebody gets a word of tongue, a word in, in tongues. God, you know, they, they allow God to operate through them in that way, which by the way, you do have to be willing. You do have to be willing to let God use you in that way, right? Because if you're not, then God will find another vessel. He will always use a willing vessel right? But Paul says it here. He says, if there is no interpreter, let that person speak to himself and to God because God is not the author, in verse 33, he's not the author of confusion. God doesn't want, God doesn't want confusion to abound, right? But he's a God of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Let things be done decently and in order, Notice that he lists peace and decency and order as the guiding principles for any church gathering, right? 
Well, we, we ought to just be wild and crazy and do whatever comes to our minds. That's in violation of the word of God. Be careful. I agree that our worship should be spontaneous. I agree that we should let the Holy Ghost lead us and guide us and we should do whatever we, you know, we, we feel led to do, but not outside of the lines of decency and in order, right? Got to follow the word of God. Outside of peace, outside of decency, outside of order. Anything that violates one of those principles is just off, it's just off track. It's, it's not in alignment with the word. Whether it, be, whether it be supposed gifts of the Spirit, whether it be singing or teaching or preaching or testifying or music or receiving offerings or hand clapping, uh, you know, coming in, going out, or any other factor concerning God's house, if it does not promote peace, if it does not promote decency and order, then it's in violation of, of, of the Word of God. God is not the author of discord. He's not the God of indecency or chaos or confusion. He's the author and finisher of our faith. That's what he is. Can you say amen to that? Amen. I'm wrapping this up. Musicians can come. I probably ought to point out to you that before Paul wrote, by the way, the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians concerning tongues and its operation and regulation within the church and to believers, before he wrote that chapter, he actually wrote 1 Corinthians 13. Did you notice that? He wrote 1 Corinthians. I'm glad he did that in order. He wrote 1 Corinthians. Actually, we know that he didn't write them in chapters. It was, it was canonized that way. But, but, but he wrote the passage found in 1 Corinthians 13 right before he wrote about 1 Corinthians 14. I like that he did that because he set us up. Paul did. That's not an accident. By the way, 1 Corinthians 13 is what we commonly call the love chapter, right? Yeah. How does that chapter open up? 1 Corinthians 13 and 1. How does Paul open that chapter? He said, though I speak with the tongues. Oh, we're talking about tongues. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Well, what does that mean, Brother Sizemore? It means that you can speak in tongues all you want to, but if you aren't doing it with the right motive, and if it isn't done and born out of love, then all I'm doing is just making noise. Yeah. The devil will often distort and counterfeit the things that God intends for good. And he attempts to use them for evil. There are some, even in this day and age, that, that will use tongues to gain personal recognition or maybe fame or maybe attention. There are those that will tell you that you need to speak in tongues every single day. I, I would argue that that's not biblical, but that's okay. You not a bad thing. There are even those that will use tongues to mislead and misguide people. These are false gifts, and they really ought to be examined because the Spirit will always bear witness with the Word of God. I said the Spirit of God will always bear witness with the Word of God. Those two things cannot contradict one another. Those two things cannot run perpendicular to one another. And so my prayer tonight 
is may our voices always be lifted to testify of the wonderful works of God. Whether that be in our native tongue, in another language, or in our heavenly language. Mm. May my voice always be lifted to testify to the wonderful works of God. If they're going to find me speaking in tongues, I hope that I'm glorifying God. I hope that I'm exalting and magnifying God. I hope that I'm praising and worshiping God. Tonight, if you're here and you have never spoken in other tongues, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want you to know that you can receive it even tonight. Yeah. The only prerequisite is that you repent of your sin, you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of, of those sin, and the scripture says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you will speak in other tongues. How? As the Spirit gives you the ability. As the Spirit gives you utterance. Aren't you thankful that you've been filled with that Spirit? Aren't you thankful that you've spoken in other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance? Why don't you stand with me tonight? The most unruly member of my body becomes the most obedient member of my body when I let God take hold of it. I gotta say that again. The most unruly member of my body, my tongue, it becomes the most obedient member of my body when I let God take control of it. Today, let the Holy Ghost fill you. Let the Holy Ghost well up within you. Let it, let it fill you from the bottom to the top. And when it, it's like pouring that glass of water and, and, and it, the glass has water in it even when it's a quarter of the way full and it has water in it when it's halfway full and, and it even has water in it when it's three quarters of the way full. And, and then when it gets to the very top, it's still got water in it. But when that water begins to flow over the side and it begins to, all of a sudden, the, 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 the cup can't contain the water anymore. That's what happens to you when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. When you're full of the, it is possible that you, you, you can have the Holy Ghost inside of you, but when it wells up and when it overflows out of you, you will speak in another tongue as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Tonight we're gonna to sing a song and I, I wonder, we're gonna open these altars. Tonight I wanna to invite everybody that's here to come. I wanna invite you to come and I want you to lift your hands and I want, let, I want you to let the Lord begin to, to minister to you. I want you to let the Lord begin to fill you. God, fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. God, let me speak in another tongue. God, let the gifts of the Spirit be in operation in the church. God, let us understand, God, that you have given us this gift. Uh, God, for the edification of the body, God, we want to glorify you in everything that we do. 
Come on, somebody lift your hands right where you're at. Let's cry out to him. Let's sing tonight. Oh, when I think about the Lord. Oh, yeah. How he saved me. Come on, lift your hands. How he filled, how he filled me, me with the Holy Ghost. How he healed me Whoa, to I'm the utmost. God, take when my, I take my tongue. Lord, God, let me yield myself to you. How he me up and turned me around. How he placed, how my, he placed feet my feet on solid ground. Think about how he saved how he me when he filled you with the Holy Ghost, when, when it welled up in you and welled up out of you. When I think about the Lord, how he picks me up and turned me around, how he placed, how he placed my, feet my feet on solid ground.
presence of God and the Spirit of God in this house, why don't you lift your hands right now all across this place? Come on, if you're thankful that you've spoken in tongues and that God has gifted you by the utterance of the Spirit, by God, you've filled me. Oh, God, thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, that I've spoken in other tongues and the Spirit gave me utterance. I couldn't do it on my own. I, I didn't have the ability on my own, but God, your Spirit gave me the ability. God, you filled me with your power. God, you've given us, Lord, good and precious gifts of that self-same Spirit. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Let it edify us. Let it edify me. Let it edify the body. Oh, I thank you for it now. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you've done here tonight. I thank you, God, for downloading your word into our hearts. God, thank you, Lord, that your word is profitable for reproof and for instruction and, and correction and, and righteousness. God, thank you for all of those things. Thank you, Lord, that the Holy Ghost can live inside of us. Your spirit come to dwell inside of me God, that I might live an abundant life through you, that I might be more than a conqueror, that I might be an overcomer through the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. God, thank you, Lord, God, for the edification that comes through your spirit. I pray now, God, that you would let it go with us today. God, let it leave this place inside of us that we might impact the world around us for your glory. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for what it does and what it is. God, we praise you for it. In Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name, God, be with us as we leave this house tonight. God, I pray that you would do a work, God, in all of our lives. God, that you would let us tap into something greater, God, than what we are by your spirit. Bring us back Sunday, God, with a song in our heart and a praise on our lips. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And somebody said, amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for being here. Shake hands with somebody. Encourage somebody. Edify somebody. God bless you tonight. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.